Our scripture reading this morning is found in Matthew chapter 4, if you turn there. Matthew 4. Beginning at verse 1. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan. For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. Now if you turn to First Peter chapter 5. First Peter chapter 5, let's pick up at verse 8. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Last August, some children arrived home on Monday and they went into a forest in Tanzania to search for missing cattle and they never came out. Lions attacked them and they didn't survive. 
When our kids were young, we took them to African Lion Safari. Who can remember the advertising jingle? Yeah, you have to sing it, don't you? African Lion Safari. It gets in our head. And safe in our cars or on the bus, there's no fear of being devoured. The monkeys destroyed my windshield wipers, but... Uh, <laughs> and we thought we were in the wild, but not really. The lions, they basked in the sun and they moved slowly. They waited for their food to be brought to them. And we hoped they would roar, but they hardly seemed able to move. But in the true wild, they are called king of the beasts for good reason. They are apex predators. They are ultimate killer carnivores. In Bible days, they roamed throughout the Middle East, through Israel, into Greece, as far as Eastern India. And they were revered and they were also feared because who could fight a lion? Well, David was known as a lion killer, wasn't he? In talking to Saul to convince Saul to let him have a go at Goliath, David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father and when there came a lion or bear, I took a lamb from the flock. I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. <laughs> Samson was a lion killer too in the scriptures. The lion in our text, you'll notice, is a roaring lion. We read in verse eight. Is a roaring lion. Roaring is the sound that we hope for, that we, we expect from a lion because when he's on the hunt for prey, he roars to scare them and divide the pack, as it were, so that he can pick off the strays. He hunts for his prey. And it says he's seeking someone to devour. Roaring, looking for a person to consume, to eat, to swallow, to bring to utter ruin. This is not the African lions, the fairy lions. Uh, we don't want to give any opportunity for this roaring, prowling beast. Lions, of course, have a long history with Christians. Ignatius of Antioch, an early Christian martyr for his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, 
was thrown into the Colosseum full of lions on the last day of some gladiator games and two hungry lions devoured him in a minute, they say. The Christian writer Tertullian writes that the general public blamed Christians for any misfortune that came upon society, any natural disaster, they blamed the Christians and they would cry, away with them to the lions, away with them to the lions. It was a spectacle. And similar to our day, these believers at this time in history in our text, they lived in a religiously pluralistic, somewhat liberal-minded society. And those who were going to the lions to be devoured by them could have saved themselves as they would simply take a pinch of incense and cast it into a fire before a graven image of Caesar. And they would acknowledge him as Lord and they would, their lives would be saved. Such a little thing as a pinch of incense. And instead, they chose to be lion's food rather than relegate the Savior to just one of a number of gods in, a, in the Roman pantheon. They declared Jesus to be the one and true God, the only one deserving of man's highest devotion. And they sealed that testimony with their blood. They, they sealed it with their blood that they were Christians, followers of the way. How many of you would choose death by lion rather than compromise your faith in Jesus? I mean, we are being called and tempted to throw that pinch of incense on the fire to pay this price of citizenship or face ridicule and ostracism. Some of you feel the, the price and the pressure at school. Some of you young people. Some of you feel it at work. Some of you feel it amongst the family. We find this bloodthirsty hunter, this deadly killer, this lion, the most savage animal a person can think of, is actually a simile. It's a figure of speech to draw a comparison. Notice the word like. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. Like the lion is like our adversary, the devil, who prowls around. Adversary, he's hostile to us and to God's kingdom. He's actively and continuously pronouncing judgment and censure upon us. He's the devil, the false accuser who divides. He's a slanderer. He prowls around. He's on the move. He's treading. He's stalking, he's covering some ground. 
He's on the hunt. And the devil is roaring and seeking to drag someone to their ruin, someone very vulnerable. And he wants us to offer our pinch of incense to the gods of our age, to the morality of our times. This month used to be a day, then a week, now it's a month, Pride Month. It's difficult, I know. The expectation of the community is that no one can dissent, no one can have a differing opinion, no one can say this is wrong, this is not good. And the pressure to wear the rainbow flag or fly it on your desk at work or make your identity all about your sexual choices rather than about God who made us as man and woman in his image. I mean, it can seem to us maybe such a little thing to participate, such a little thing The whole question, uh, this past week, there was a pastor in Manitoba who wrote a blog post and it was gracious and kind and it was done well. He wrote a blog just laying out his concerns that his community was en masse uh, being encouraged to go into some parade and to support and celebrate uh, the, the choices that were being made around the pride banner. And he wrote this, the whole question of pride in general It's a celebration of something that the Bible would say is sin. We can't lose sight of that. A celebration of something that the Bible would say is a sin. The main message of the gospel is that Jesus came to die for our sins, to reconcile us to God. And so the way that we receive what Christ has done It's by turning from our sin and turning to face him. So something like pride is celebrating that which actually separates people from God. Well, because of his blog post uh, this past week, I mean, it caused an uproar in his town and across our country because the CBC got a hold of it. And you know what they made him look like? And how can such an awful person uh, exist in this day and age? One writer said, it is inflammatory. It's inflammatory now to talk about sin and righteous 
righteousness. Another said that uh, dissent should not be allowed. There should be no differing perspectives. This is the times we live in. And that you're called to live in. And to offer that pinch of incense to Caesar is, seems like a little thing, but it's everything. Our national anthem stand, says that we stand on guard for thee. We stand on guard for thee. O Canada, standing on God, on guard. When you know you're being stalked, you should be on guard, and that's where he takes us. He says in verse 8, be sober-minded, be watchful. Sober-minded, don't be sleeping when the lion is prowling, be vigilant. It's literally to say, pay attention. Wake up and watch it yourself, both internally and your, your own holiness and externally as well. I recently put up a security camera facing my porch and driveway. Um, on my computer now, every time someone walks up to the door, I get this voice that says, face detect, face detect. They, it de detects a face. It'd be great if they had a camera right for lion detect, lion detect. To pay attention, to wake up, to, to be vigilant and sober-minded. And he says to resist him. Verse nine, resist him to take a stand against, not just passively allow things to happen, but actually to push against the pressure, to push back against the enemy, to resist. I mean, we can seek to keep our head low and hope that some of the challenges of our times all goes away and we can go about our lives and not be troubled too much, but we are called to resist the devil, to resist him. And James 4 says, submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Not to flee him, to resist him, he will flee. It's like bicycling, you, you, you push against the wind, you, you use your strength, you, you feel the resistance. And what you resist only makes you stronger. Of course, I have an e-bike, so it doesn't quite work for me, but uh, you don't know what you're made of until you test it. Firm in the faith, he says. F resist him, firm in your faith a solid faith, knowing truth from error, believing sound doctrine, 
the, the shield of faith. Jude writes, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. I mean, if Satan could draw us into apostasy, he will gain his purpose. Make sure that you are informing yourself about the scriptures, about God's ways, God's holiness, your shield of faith, a solid faith that can't be moved. And then there is a solidarity that he mentions here in verse nine. He says, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. He's talking about the persecution that his listeners, his readers were under, that they were being persecuted for their faith. And he says there's others who are being persecuted for their faith. You're not unique. You're not special to avoid these things. Suffering for your faith. Sometimes we can feel that it's all about me. And, but brethren elsewhere and throughout history have suffered for Christ and made choices to honor the Lord and not offer that pinch of incense. And they have suffered for it, but the Lord gives them strength. Verse 10, after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to the eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. There is a deep agenda, deeper than any physical suffering. There's something, there's someone out to harm us spiritually. There's someone out to steal your soul, to destroy you, to consume your Christian faith. And calling you to give some ground make it easier on yourself to just go back to your easy life and, and offer that pinch to Caesar. But in, in doing so, you, you defy the living God and you spurn his love and his salvation that he gave us his son to die for us that we might find forgiveness for our sins and that we might follow him and not the culture. The devil is the great persecutor. He's the deceiver. He's the accuser. He wars against the people of God. He wars against you. And he knows that suffering has the ability to cause a Christian to overthrow their faith. Whether it's pain or doubt or fear or anxiety, that when you suffer, you're more vulnerable to the devil's ways. And it, it's then that being sober in mind and vigilance is especially needed. There, 
was an old song, another sort of jingle song about lions. Some of you know it, and it has within it these words, sleep my darling, no need to worry, the lion sleeps tonight. Some of you are nodding your heads. It's a catchy tune. Sleep, my darling, no need to worry. The lion sleeps tonight. A wimb away, a wimb away, and so on. Try, I don't know how to spell that, really. I just made a stab at it. <laughs> now, the devil wants you to believe this. He would love to find your face sleeping. He would love to find you dozing as a Christian, lethargic. He would love to find you just lazy in faith, ripe for picking. The lion never sleeps. And there is reason to be alert, and there's reason to be watchful, ready to resist the devil with a solid faith in Jesus Christ, even if we are to suffer like our brethren throughout the world. The lion is prowling, he's roaring, he's seeking, and he will devour. His tools are many. He uses the internet. He uses the culture. He uses materialism, temptations. He uses people. All sorts of strategies he uses. He is a master hunter. And his whole intent is to destroy your soul. And he is relentless and he is never sleeping. How different is Jesus? Look at verse 7, where we're told, casting all your anxieties on him. That's our God, because he cares for you. How different is Jesus? He cares about us. He is mighty to save. He's mighty not to destroy, but to be there for us. The devil seeks to devour and destroy. Jesus came to seek and to save. That word seek is the same word here that's used uh, for the devil when he's seeking someone to devour. When Jesus says, I came to seek what is lost, it's the same word, to seek. And he seeks to save the lost and to give eternal life. How different is Jesus, our Savior and Lord? Let's get the jingles out of our head. There's a song that goes, A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing, our helper, he amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. For still our ancient foe does seek to work us woe. His craft and power are great. 
and armed with cruel hate on earth is not his equal. Did we in our own strength confide our striving would be losing? We have no hope in ourselves. We're not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing. That's Christ. Let's ask who that may be. Christ Jesus, it is he. Lord Sabaoth, his name from age to age the same. He must win the battle. And though the world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God hath willed his truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him, his rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. One little word shall fell him. And that word above all earthly powers, no thanks to them abideth. The spirit and the gifts are ours through him who with us sideth. Let goods and kindred go, this mortal life also, the body they may kill. God's truth abideth still. His kingdom is forever. Amen. And so he finishes in verse 11. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Heavenly Father, we pray that for wisdom. We pray for strength, encouragement. Uh, Lord, in these troubled days, we feel and know in Canada what seemed impossible a short time ago is now entirely possible. And people are looking at us with suspicion. People are looking at Christians with, with disgust even because we don't and won't uh, follow what they're saying. We won't live their lives. We won't approve of their sins. We know you came, that Jesus you came to seeking to save the lost, to save us from our sins. We know that Lord, that we need your help against the devil's wiles and his way, ways. And as a body of believers, help us to stand with each other. Help us to encourage and to, to be there for each other, for those who suffer, will suffer loss because they won't offer that pinch of incense. We pray, Lord, that we can stand with them. Give us um, courage and boldness to resist, to push back. Teach us how, and it often seems uh, so difficult. Thank you for our salvation in Christ's name. Thank you for your love. You are so good and kind and gracious in all your ways. Merciful. You take our cares and our anxieties and you change us and 
conform us to the image of your son. And so uh, we offer you the praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen.